If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 7. Uh, I remembered uh, what, what I was forgetting. Uh, there's a big tank of water in the back of the room. You would think that I would notice that before, like, oh, what am I forgetting? Big tank of water. Uh, I told a few of you, like, we didn't get rid of your seats. We just converted it. And so you're welcome. If that was your normal seat on a Sunday morning, just go have a seat. It's fine. Uh, but we're going to have a baptism uh, after second service today because, uh, you know, the year's not over yet. And we have a young lady uh, who has accepted Christ and she was supposed to be baptized last time and came down with whatever it is that everybody's got. Uh, uh, and she's healthy now, and she says, I can't wait. And so uh, if you are free after you know lunch, you come here at 12, or before lunch, I don't know, whatever 12 is for you, uh, we're going to baptize our first indoor baptism at Carpenter's Way. I don't think we've ever done one. Uh, somebody who's been around Carpenter's Way longer than me maybe can think of one or two before, but they, they, they've all been outdoors. Uh, so we may flood the worship room. I don't know, uh, but come, uh, bring your floaties just in case. Um, if you uh, are also thinking about being baptized, if you're like, you know, I've been wanting to do that. It's something that like, I, I hear I'm supposed to follow Jesus in baptism. I've, I've wanted to, just never had the opportunity. I'm just, I'm not trying to rush you. Uh, I'm just saying the water's right there and we can, we can do that uh, this, this afternoon. We're going to be in Matthew 7. We're going to keep ticking away uh, at this series. Actually, we're going to land the plane on the series because what I believe the Lord has for you and me uh, is that he wants to lead us to truth. He wants to lead us to real truth. And then that truth will lead us into freedom that he wants for me and you freedom. But our hearts, what they, our hearts does instead of, instead of listening to truth is that it kind of creates its own stories, its own narratives, and we deceive ourselves sometimes. And the problem with self-deceit is that it feels good, sounds good, but it leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to real truth. Um, and so we've been doing like this hard work, I think, of unpacking uh, truth and what the Lord might have for us. And these are not the most Christmassy of messages, and yet they have this great implication that if Jesus came to bring hope and he came to bring a message of life, then knowing how to access that life and knowing what to do to get to that and what he's maybe challenging me and you to, to look at um, is, is life-giving. Um, not to, I didn't ask him for permission, but you know, he did it publicly and it's recorded. But Wacy just a moment ago, he said, I was reflecting on something. He said, he said, I'm, I'm, I'm prideful. And that's like, some of us are like, I would never say it about myself, but, but if, if the Lord is revealing something to you, that's a, that's a gift. Um, that's, that's precious because, because he's telling you, this is an area that I'm calling you to grow. And until you and I enter glory, you and I will always be needing to grow on something. We never will arrive on this side, but the more that we give him, the more that we follow his truth, the more life that we have. We're going we're gonna to look today at this idea of attention. Uh, we, we said last week that, that uh, the Lord, Lord says that treasures, where we put our treasures, that's, there our heart will be also. Um, and then we said that there's basically three treasures. There's money, there's time, and attention. And today's message is on attention. Uh, did anybody grow up watching Larry Bird play basketball. That guy was amazing. I, I, I know we've got the LeBron Jameses who like, if the wind blows from the South, he's got poked in the eye or something. But anyway, uh, I won't, I won't talk about my problems with modern basketball, but, but back in the day, man, they, they would fist fight on the court and the rest were like, I didn't see anything. Uh, they would trash talk like nobody's business. Larry Bird, um, he was an amazing three point shooter, but you know what he was better at, probably better at was just getting inside the minds of people. Like, uh, we had some other 
other players back then in the in the early 90s, late 80s, like a, like a Dennis Rodman, he was a very physically aggressive person. He would just like spear you, like football form tackle you and be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I got a foul. Uh, he was very physically aggressive. But Larry Bird, he would get in your head. Uh, he would say things to you and your team before the game started and he'd mess with you. And so someone was interviewing him. I, th- I think it, uh, it might have been Larry King or somebody that was interviewing Larry Bird. And they said, they said, how do you do that? Like, how do you get inside somebody's head? And he says, well, it's really easy, honestly. He said, a lot of people think that if you want to mess with somebody, you talk about how bad they are. Oh, you're terrible at basketball. You, you can't shoot. Your mama wears army boots. Like, you think, you think to get inside their head, you want to say really negative things and get to them. But the, at, at my level, Larry Bird says, at my level, like, they're fortified against that. You know how I get into their head? Is that if I see someone heating up, if I see someone starting to make those shots, I'll get up to their ear and I'll say something like, Man, that was amazing. That was a great shot. How did you do that? Because I noticed that when you kind of turned your hips this way and you put your elbow that way, it went in the hoop. And I was just like, can you tell me a little bit about that? And of course, they're like, what are you talking about? Get away. I'm not going to tell you my secrets. But he plants the seed in their head because in that moment, they're no longer focused on the game. They're no longer focused on the play. You know what they're focused on? how did I do my elbow? And then they're, they're like flailing around, you know, and he would get in their head. They're like chicken winging out there. And all of a sudden, this amazing athlete forgets how to play basketball because his attention is moved from the game and what he was focused on to these non-essentials. Like, how did I put my foot in, in that moment? And you and I, we live in a world that when our attention is in the right place, we're, we're succeeding. We're finding a life of our attention is on Christ and his work in our life. We're going to find hope and peace in that. But then if somebody gets in our head and points to something that sounds important enough, our focus changes, our focus gets on the wrong spots, and then we're just sort of flailing around and then things don't work out the way that we want. There's actually a, a I didn't look it up. There's a psychological term for what Larry Bird was doing to get inside somebody's head. Uh, it's worth, it's worth a look. If you, if you're, if, I don't know, if, if you want to mess with somebody next time you have a pickup game of basketball, try the Larry Bird technique. You don't even have to be good at basketball. You just have to make them bad at it. Uh, and then you can, you can win. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be in Matthew seven uh, today, and I want to look at a bit on how Jesus is landing this section called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I'll be fully transparent. If 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 I didn't have to think of like as a pastor, the church needs the whole scope of scripture. If I was just going to teach based on my favorite passages of scripture, I would teach the Sermon on the Mount, the three chapters in Matthew that this is, and then I would stop and I would go back to the beginning. I would teach. It's actually a great temptation of mine to just reference the Sermon on the Mount in every sermon. If you've been taking notes, you can probably see I've referenced it already three times in this one series. I teached an entire series on it last year. I can't, I can't get out of it, um, but I think it's worth a look because what Jesus is going to do is he starts tying up all of these loose ends on the Sermon on the Mount, and every one of them has to do with what we're putting our attention on, what, what you and I are focusing on. If we say that we're Christians and we want the world to be better, then how do we focus on the right things um, to see that kingdom come instead of the things that are distracting us and making us flail around like we don't know what's going on? Let's see where we get and how far we go in uh, Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 1, uh, maybe the second most famous verse of the Bible, the first being you know John 3.16, everybody knows, for God so loved the world. This may be the second most famous because every friend you have who maybe is a little against Christianity will quote this to your face. They know this Bible verse, judge not that you be not judged. 
Those of you who grew up in the King James, judge not lest ye be judged. Man, it sounds good if you get all King Jamesian on it, doesn't it? You know, we, we read this and we have people quote this like, ah, Christians. What, 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 do, what do people say about Christians? Those who aren't Christians, it's kind of a critique against Christians. Christians are always so judgmental, judgy. And, and, then, and then when we think like, no, that's not good. We, wanna, we think that the Lord wants us to do this. Someone might wag their finger at us, and then they quote Jesus' mouth saying, Judge not lest ye be judged. Uh, who's, raise your hand if you've heard someone use this first. Am I, am I alone? Come on. It, look at look at you. Like, everybody's like, yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. Um, here's the problem with how that verse is being used when it's like used as a weapon against Christianity. Everybody lean in on this. It came out of Christ's mouth. You can't use words out of Christ's mouth to disprove Christianity. You're losing that battle, first of all. But why, why is that a wrong way of thinking about it? Why is that, is, why, what is Jesus getting at? Well, let's, let's look at the context because context matters a lot. Judge not that you be not judged. Why? Verse two, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, what Jesus is saying isn't a command to nobody judge anything ever. If you're a follower of Jesus, have no judgments at all. What he's saying is don't jump to conclusions because if you're not careful, the same judgment you put on somebody else is going to be applied to you. So we, we might jump to conclusions, right? We might, um, at work, just assume someone's like, they did that just, just to hurt me, you know? And, and we jump to that conclusion and that judgment that we pronounce on them, it won't take long before we find ourselves doing or acting the same way that that person was. And then, and then we're either a hypocrite or we apologize for jumping to conclusions. Judge not lest you be judged because the same judgment you use is going to be applied to you. There's a story in the Old Testament uh, of David, King David. King David is, uh, he's, he's a great character, but he has some flaws. One of his flaws is that he liked the ladies, okay? And um, he, there's a whole story of him and, da- uh, and Bathsheba, and uh, a whole thing happened with that. But after the affair, he decides he's going to hide it. He's going to hide it from God. He's going to hide it from that other, guy, other woman's husband. He's going to hide it from the whole country. Um, and at one point, the prophet Nathan comes to David and says, hey, David, I got, I got this problem going on down the road. Let me let me ask you what you think. And he, he uses this metaphor of like sheep and someone taking sheep that wasn't his. He's like, what do you think they should do about that? And David was indignant. He was angry. He's like, not in my kingdom. They don't do that. We, we follow God. You don't take things that aren't yours. And Nathan leans in and then he like the big reveal. Spoiler alert, if you haven't read, you know, that, that passage, uh, he says, hey, you are the man, David. That judgment you just pronounced, let's apply it to you. And it was a very convicting moment. David does uh, repent of it, but it, it is, you know, Nathan, he had to go to the king. He did pronounce judgment on the king. David was being hypocritical in that he didn't really think that that judgment applied to him in that moment. It, it's a jump to conclusion. If we're not careful, we will jump to conclusion so fast that it will carve little paths in our heart that make it really easy to lift ourselves up while judging other people down. I want to think, like, how many times do you and I jump to quick conclusions, quick judgments, without actually just pausing to reflect on it? Uh, I can't tell you the number of times someone says, you know, I got this text message. I didn't, I didn't like the way they said that. 
It's like, well, it was a text message. Yeah, but it was the tone of their voice, you know? Like, I just didn't, I didn't like how they, how they said it. The problem with text messaging, especially like when you're trying to troubleshoot, like marriage, uh, marriage tip real quick, uh, never try to solve a conflict through text messages because they can't read your voice or see your face. You're like, I hope you do good. And they read it like, I hope you do good. You know, it is the same words, but I can't see the tone of voice. And I'll have people, they're like, uh, well, tell me what the problem is. And they're like, well, then she texted, no, 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 no. I was like, did you see her head moving in the text? Like, was there a GIF or a video of her reading the text to you? No, because, because it's just words without any energy, without anything going on. And, and when we read those words, we can easily jump to conclusions and we cast a judgment. And that judgment, unfortunately, becomes the, the permanent thing, the thing that we have to undo later. But um, we, we jump to conclusions so quickly in text messages. We, we jump to conclusions very quickly in social media. Um, I don't know if you know this, but a very small percentage of people actually post all of their dysfunction on social media. I mean, there's some people, you know, understand like, uh, you know, he did it again. And like, then you're like, Oh, what did he do? And you start, you know, checking out the other person's name. But most people, they avoid all of the hard things of life. And they're only posting like that picture. Of course, they took 20 of the picture, but they only posted the one because that's the one that had the good side without the little wrinkle under the neck. And it just looks so dang perfect. And then you, you, we all look at these, these pictures and these images and these stories of these people's curated lives, and it's all perfection. And then we might jump to the conclusion, like, look at how good their life is. And yet we're very much aware of how imperfect and not ready for social media our life is. And then we play the comparison game, and we jump to this conclusion that we're not good enough. We're not as good as them, at least. You know, they, they think the same thing about you. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, I have a pastor friend of mine. Uh, he, uh, he, he just accepted a new position in another church. He's switching states, you know, and, and for years he's been at that church for like five or six years. And it's just like, when I see his post, I'm like, man, that's, that's a great church. Man, you guys are killing him. Kind of like, like I, I would, it was a church that's probably 10 times our size doing just all these cool things. And uh, I get it. Like, that's what you want to post all the celebrations. The day after he takes another church, he posts some hurt that he had in his previous church, some rumors that weren't true about his family and his wife, and it's just like, they hurt me. And it's just like, oh, of course, because, because we don't post that kind of stuff in the moment. It's all a curated thing. Be careful not to jump to those conclusions. Um, think about marriages, how quickly we jump to conclusions in marriage. Um, he or she's not giving me the attention I used to get. So then we jump to the conclusion of, well, it must be me. I must not look the same as I did, or maybe she's with somebody else, and we jump to these conclusions so quick, when in reality it could be something a little bit more like he or she's depressed. It could be something else. And so when Jesus says, you know, judge not that you don't be judged, what he's warning is don't jump to those conclusions so quickly because because it's going to be applied to you, and you really don't want to carve those habits into your heart. Let's, let's keep going. Uh, let's, let's see where, where he goes. Cause I think what Jesus is going to want to do is he's going to want to carve new paths in our heart. If this series is nothing else, it is at least that, that Jesus wants to carve new paths in your heart for how you interact with the world with more hope and more life. Verse three, why? Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eyes? 
uh, in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. None of us, you know, speak Hebrew. That's a a hilarious joke right there. Jesus, Jesus, like everybody in Jesus's audience probably snickered as he said that. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not see the log in your own eye? Or he says, how can you say to your brother, here, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? When, when we jump to conclusions, when we judge too quickly, um, Jesus is saying, you know, it, it's kind of like you're seeing in other people problems that are more in you than they are in, in them. It's just a speck in their eye. It's so small in their eye. Um, but, but in you, it's this giant log. Uh, why is it that you and I can see in other people our problems and try to fix them in them faster than we try to fix them in us? Uh, if, if, um, if, if I want to find someone who is struggling with anger, it's going to be someone who is deeply offended at the anger that they've received from, you know, that driver on the road. If, if I want to find someone who is kind of wrestling with, you know, judgmentalism or, um, uh, hey, they're, they're going to be the ones who are most judgy. People who are not reflective and not working on themselves, not letting the Lord do something themselves, instead of them doing that work in them, they're so quick, and I'm this way, to find it in somebody else and say, let me, let me help you with that little speck while I'm swinging this big beam around and hurting everybody in my way. Uh, verse, verse, uh, if you can back up, Barbara, verse three, I don't think that that is necessarily a rhetorical question. I think that that would be a great prayerful question. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? What if your prayer became, instead of you trying to fix the thems in your life, what if your prayer became, Lord, why is that so obvious to me? What am I missing, Lord? Lord, look around in my heart, and if you see anything in my heart that looks like that, please help me fix it in me. And so we get to this space in Christianity where we're called to work on us first, right? Um, but that isn't to ignore everything else. Where does Jesus go next? He says, you know, don't, don't, you know, work on the log first. Uh, don't ignore that. You hypocrite, verse five, you hypocrite first, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Notice where Jesus goes right here. Jesus doesn't say, ignore what your brother is doing, ignore what your loved ones are doing, and just focus on you. He's saying, focus on you first. Make sure that this isn't some very obvious log that you've been swinging around in your life, maybe from childhood. Make sure you've done it, because if you do that, if you get the log out of your own eye, you will see clearly to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Anybody in here uh, kind of reach that age where glasses are more mandatory than optional? Uh, am I alone? It, it was a funny day when I found out I was supposed to wear glasses, which I don't. Uh, I, I, I probably should be wearing glasses right now um, because I had perfect vision. I had perfect vision until I went to the eye doctor. 
Uh, and then they, then they put the little thing on me, and I was like, wow, look how bright those colors are. That's amazing. Those letters are huge. The letters haven't changed sizes. I just can see now. I didn't know I couldn't see. And so I get prescription glasses, and I wear them around for a couple of weeks. And do you know, uh, this, this makes me so angry, that eye doctor broke my eyes. Because when I stopped wearing the glasses, I'm blind as everything. Like, everything is so blurry. I'm like, that quack of a doctor broke me. Um, and I paid for it, you know? But that's, that's, that's a common, that's a common experience. When you start wearing glasses for the first time, you turn blind all of a sudden. But the reality is that that doctor did nothing more than give you the tools you needed to see clearly. He didn't break my vision. My vision was broken. I was just blind to it. No pun intended. Jesus says, first, Jesse, deal with the logs that are in your own eye. And when you get them out, you will see clearly to help your brother with the speck that is in his eye. You know that argument that comes up every holiday when, you know, so-and-so, you're like, you're like, why do I keep bringing this up? And it turns into a thing. What if, what if it's, you're not seeing clearly? What if you haven't noticed with empathy that you've been wrestling with the exact same issue that your in-law or your mom or dad or some, you know your sister or I don't know what, what you've got going on uh, that they've been wrestling with? What, what if you've been swinging a log around for the last 10 years and the Lord is just saying, no, before, before you're the evangelist and the missionary fixing that and other people, I want to work on you first, brother. I want to I see you get that out so you can see clearly. Let's keep going. Verse 6. Do not, do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Can I just put a big big word on your head real quick? Uh, that word is, is boundaries. Um, Jesus is very much a fan of good boundaries. Um, Somewhere along the way, we've learned uh, that the Christian faith is that we're supposed to be really nice to people, and then they, they, they turn on us, and we try to help, and then they take, and they take, and I, I just, I, maybe, maybe this will be a good Christmas gift for you to give to someone, the gift of you having boundaries with them. Uh, it's loving and it's kind to have boundaries. When, when you try to help people, and they take, and they take, and you think, well, what am I supposed to do? Maybe Jesus is telling you right here, don't, just don't give them that. They're turning, they're trampling on you, they're, they're biting you. You know, sometimes when we're not seeing clearly, when we have unaddressed logs, um, we are very, it's very difficult to build boundaries because we're so busy trying to fix them uh, that we're not, we're not, we're not building that, that barricade, that, that ability to have healthy interactions with them. And so we make excuses. We say things like about, we, we, we apologize for their behavior. Well, that's just mom's way of trying to help. She doesn't mean anything by it. You know, grandpa's just, you know, sometimes he gets a little racist, but you know, it's okay. Like it's just the way he is. And we just, we just ignore it and we excuse people. Um, sometimes I'll listen to parents and you're like, you know why I'm so hard on him? Because I want him to grow up tough. And okay, you want him to grow up strong. You want him to grow up resilient, but you don't have to, you don't have to be so hard on him. And if we were honest, sometimes that sentence, that sentiment, that excuse comes from this log that's just swinging around from childhood that I wasn't tough enough for my childhood, but I'm going to make sure that my kid is. Sometimes we, we, we say things like, well, they did that exact same thing at my last job. 
That's exactly how my last wife treated me. That's exactly how that used to be when I was over there. And I'm not going to let that happen again. And so instead of healing, we put up these big barriers. We start swinging that log around. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I can, I can work on the log. And if you let me work on the log, I will teach you how to build boundaries, loving boundaries with people. Um, and you can care for them and keep your boundaries and love them well. Anybody, anybody listening to the words of Jesus right now and sounds like, holy cow, that sounds really tough. Anybody? That sounds like the hardest thing ever. Like boundaries? Are you kidding me? Because what if they hate me after? They're not going to hate you. They, they won't. You know, most people are, are very, uh, uh, especially children, they need boundaries. They, they're going to feel loved. I read these words and I think, how in the world am I going to get this done? This sounds impossible. Um, well, with us, it, it might be impossible, but Scripture says with God, all things are possible. Look at the next verse. Verse 7, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. The words of Jesus are this. Um, if you need help, ask for it. When, when you and I, we haven't done this work that the Lord is calling us to, to start removing logs, we don't ask him things. We don't ask him for help. We tell him how he can help. We go to God and we're like, dear Lord, uh, if you can just give uh, Susie the uh, the flat tire, that would really help out my morning. Uh, like we, we think that we know the solution, and so we tell God the solution. And Jesus maybe invites us to ask him for help. Maybe, maybe we're not seeing as clearly as we think we are, and we have a big log. He's, he's gently wanting to pull out. Ask him about it. Ask him, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. I'm looking for a way to build boundaries. I'm looking for a way to have good relationships with my families. I'm looking for a way to get this done. Seek. Look for those things. Those are good things. And you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. If you get to right where the cusp of all the things are, you, you knock, and Jesus is like, I'm, I'm here to help you. Jesus will later say in the Gospel of John, someone's like, well, which way do we go? Where's the door? And Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. As you and I grow in Christ, we get access to this ability to have healthy relationships with people and this ability to remove logs um, from our eyes so that we can see clearly. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened to him. God's not trying to play hide-and-go-seek with us. We, we have access to him. And then, and then he asks this rhetorical question. He says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Father, I'm so hungry. Can you throw a sandwich and you just throw a big rock at your kid? Like nobody would do that, right? Some of you are like, well, my dad would. Okay, well, that's a big log. Okay, and then we'll, we'll work on that later. Uh, he'll give him a stone. Or verse 10, or if he asks for a fish, hey, dad, can I have some catfish? We'll give him a serpent. No, but here's a cobra. You know, you throw a big snake on him. Jesus is asking really hilarious rhetorical questions to drive home this point. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? You and I, we have blind spots where we don't see clearly, but you know who doesn't? Your heavenly Father. God has been running this universe, and he sees perfectly what your enemy needs, what your children need, what your spouse needs, and what you need. He sees it so clearly. Ask him for help. 
This Christmas, you, you're, you might be completely stressed out to the max. And you're like, I just, I don't know, because when my family gets together, it's a, it's a knockdown. Uncle so-and-so, he's going to get about a 12-pack in, and there's going to be a fight over who to vote for. And it just like, I, there's a lot of chaos right now. And I don't know if I've got it in me to do one more Christmas, Jesse. I don't know. Uh, ask him for help. Seek him. Lord, what is my responsibility here? You might find that your responsibility really isn't to fix all of those dysfunctions in your family. Maybe your responsibility is to just be the healthy example of what hope can look like, who can see clearly and the log has been removed. And you just, you just exist in that family. Let me keep going so I don't run out of time. Verse, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus sums it all up. The, every, every little bit of this is like, where are you putting your attention? And if we're not careful, we put our attention on fixing the them, making sure the them gets what's coming to them, making sure they, you know what they did to me last month? I'm going to make sure they get it back tenfold. And, and that's really backwards way from the kingdom. You know what the kingdom says? The kingdom says, love your enemies, forgive those who hurt you, and do to the them, whoever the them is in your life, do to them as you wish that they would do to you. When you send a text message to somebody and they misunderstand what you say, do you want them to ask you for clarification? Or do you want them to stew and talk about it 10 times, 20 times you know, outside of that circle and to just hold a grudge against you because of a misunderstanding in your text message? Which one do you want? Oh, I, I want them to assume the best of me. I want them to seek clarity. Jesus says, well, then do to them what you wish they would do to you. You know what I wish? I wish that he would treat me with respect and talk to me like I am an equal party in this relationship. Then do to him as you would have him do to you. I wish that, that, that they would, uh, you know, mind their own business and stop trying to fix everything in my life. Then do to them as you would have them do to you. This is, this is the golden rule. Parents, is this not what we try to teach our kids? Well, they said it first, mommy. Yeah, well, okay. You, 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 can, you can do better. Well, you, everybody said do this. I didn't like it. I, I just, okay, well, do to them as they would have you do to us. We say it as parents, and we think that we've outgrown it. And Jesus is talking to grown folks when he says this. You and I, we would be wise to stop focusing on the them, stop putting our attention on the them, and stop putting our attention on all the little problems around the world and only focus on the logs that are in us. Do to them as they would have us, or as you would have them uh, do to you. Verse 13, enter by the narrow gate, Jesus says, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. All these other things that we focus on, it's the easiest thing in the world. Everybody in your life knows how to do it well. There are people who are, they're better at being salty than you are. They've been training for it for years. They're, it's, it's like a, it's like a generational thing. Their great granddaddy was like the salty champion of the year in the twenties. And, and I'm just saying, uh, this stuff is smaller. There's not a lot of people who know how to do this. And Jesus is saying, this is the, the narrow path. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Do you want, do you want destruction or do you want life? Thank you. Me too. We, have, we want life. Jesus is drawing a map for the life. The easy way? 
destruction. The obvious way, destruction. This hard thing where you focus on yourself first, you worry less, that's very narrow. Yesterday, uh, of course, PNG won uh, state. It was great. It's a great time. Come on. Yes, yes. Give it up. So we're in Dallas, my family. We're, we're going to make a day in Dallas. We go to the aquarium. Uh, Dallas Aquarium is legit. If you've never been to Dallas Aquarium, it's worth a visit. And we're, we're at the Dallas Aquarium, and I'm getting around on the scooter, and they've got like the roughest terrain ever. And so I make it a point that I want my family to have a good time uh, at the Dallas Aquarium. And so I'm just cruising on ahead. I'm like, you guys look at the penguin all you want. I'll just get ahead of you. And then like, I'll, you, you can catch up because I'm going real slow. And I got in this like little loop at the aquarium because the path that was obvious to me was that way. And then I get there and it's a dead end. And so I was like, oh, well, it must be the other way. And so I go the other way. And the path that was obvious going that way was a dead end. And like four or five times I go back and forth, dead end, dead end. And I'm just like hitting rocks. I'm just like, these, these dumb monkeys, you know, like all, all this stuff. Uh, if I see another manatee laughing at me, I'm just going to lose my mind. And, and I, at some point, I, I turn around, and after like my fourth trip, Ashley, she's coming, and I, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm sweating, and I say, I don't know how to get out of here. I don't know where I'm going. And she points, and she's like, I think it's that way. And it's this little bitty narrow path. Like, I could barely, it's, it's a one per, you can't get two people side by side. And I'm like, that can't be the obvious. That, that is, so, they, they need more traffic space, you know? They need like a little wayfinding. She's like, there's like some leaves that are growing over it. She's like, that's, that's probably the way out. And I don't. I don't say this a lot publicly, but my wife was right. <laughs> it was definitely the way out. And you would think after like the second time of me going the wrong way and getting frustrated and banging my knee and like tripping over a kid or whatever, like I'd be like, oh, I'm going to try a different way. But no, I don't. Because I kept going the way that was most obvious to me over and over. Ping pong, ping pong. Frustration, frustration. And the narrow path was the way to more life to more exhibits, to more fun. The narrow path was that way. And I just needed one person to tell me, this Christmas, as we reflect on Jesus, Jesus came to point to you the way to life. And it's the least obvious way, but it's the way to life. It's the way to peace. It's the way to less frustration. All of that ping-ponging you and I have done in our lives, we keep going to the same mistake over the same frustration, over the same heartbreak, over. It's not going to hurt as much this time, but it hurts as much every time, over and over and over again. And Jesus says, those are the paths to destruction. This narrow gate leads to life. Your attention is limited. Your attention is limited, and it is therefore a precious resource. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of your treasures is your attention. And the world says, keep going this way. Keep fixing them. You know it's the them. And, oh, man, we're about to enter a political season. I can't wait for that. Anybody else just, ah, yay, trash talk. Uh, of course, of course, it's going to be junk, and it's going to be so easy, but your attention is limited, and it is finite. And I would just tell you that Jesus wants you to invest it in something more precious than the obvious things. Instead, invest instead of investing in worry, instead of investing in correcting others, instead of investing in your attention in all of the scarcity of things, all the things that are missing, all of the opportunities that are missing, all the time that is missing, I think that Jesus would invite you to invest your attention on him on Christ, on his abundance, on his guiding you to those narrow paths. As you, as you reflect on this Christmas, Jesus, Jesus is leading you somewhere. 
Don't let that log keep you blind. If you can't see it clearly, then ask him, Lord, what am I missing? Ask and you will be given. Knock and it will be opened. Ask him, seek him. He wants to help you know him. And maybe as we close out 2023 and we've stopped the self-deception, we've, we've told our hearts, no, we will focus on Jesus. We train at this new path to not jump to conclusions so fast, to worry less, and to focus on that narrow path. How can I build healthy boundaries and healthy relationships? And I think that Jesus would give us a good gift this year. Let me pray for us uh, as we close out. Father, um, Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that uh, there's a map here, and it is, is it is obviously right because it's different than all the wrong ones that I've tried and so many of us have tried. Lord, help us to, to trust you. Help us to find your narrow path that leads to life. Um, give us the freedom to to not have our attention on so many people and judging all the things and trying to keep the ledger clear and to just dump it all at your feet and say, Lord, I trust you with this, that you will see good and holy things out of it. Just, uh, Lord, help, help us to reflect you well. And um, if that involves pulling out some logs, uh, then, Lord, we give you permission uh, to that. I pray a blessing over these men and women uh, in this room that we would find hope and peace this Christmas. Um, and we just want to see more of you. May our... May our attention this week be focused squarely on you and who you are. Uh, We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name.